Hi, this is Brett Blevins. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Nailed it. And you know what? I was thinking we don't ask guests to do intros. And that's mostly on me. Uh, but it didn't work for last time because we have tons of DWJ intros. But the ones that we don't have, we just let go. And I always forget to do it. Why is that? Well, seeing as how we're getting all getting our asses vaccinated in the next week to month, hopefully cons will be a thing again in the not too distant future and we'll get a shit ton of bumpers i mean we have a lot of really good ones but uh i know but i'm saying you're mr cracking the whip on the bumpers but it's hard to crack the whip and we're not at a con it's true i I want some current ones current ones would be really nice yes sir yeah you know what else would be really nice if you lean back relax and spend this time with us because this is 11 o'clock comics episode 730 and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And I am many of your favorite comic writer, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you're not Neil Gaiman. but I, I know we would like to be Neil Gaiman, but why specifically did you choose Mr. Gaiman for this week? Because this week begins my journey into Sandman. As promised to the patrons, and I will be journaling my journey of Sandman on our Patreon. So so, so occasionally on the show, y'all might be like, hey, how's that Sandman going? And I might respond. But if you want my, my long sought after detailed thoughts as I make my first read through this classic long form series, you will have to be a patron. Mm, nice. Cool. That is pretty awesome. And I would do the same thing, too. I would save it for whatever you were, you were doing it for and not, not bring it here. But uh, no you know, no offense. I would love to hear you talk about Sandman, but let's relegate that to where it should be. Um, I got to say, shit's the bed in the last, the last book, but whatever. Uh, you're not Neil Gaiman. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And guess what? What? Guess what? The list what? of specials are up. At oh, discount yeah, count, and we can get into the deep, deep details because I didn't want to bore a guest, but here we go. From Dynamite, it's the Invincible Red Sonia number one, written by the award-winning fan favorites Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, two real salt-of-the-earth people. Follow them both on Twitter, love them both. I would take a bullet for either one of them, right? Red Sonia finds herself on a spectacular journey filled with pirates, arr, mermaids, What's a mermaid sound? Splash. (laughs) I think that may be the next one. Princesses and political intrigue as the threat of two kingdoms hangs in the balance. All this plus the spectacular art of Moritat and a cover by Amanda Connor and Paul Mounts. I'm stunned that Paul's calling her. Makes the Invincible Red Sonia a series not to be missed. In fact, it's so great, we had to launch a whole new title for it. Of course. Well, I guess when Amanda and Jimmy want to do something at your publishing house, you let them do whatever they want to do, right? Um, let's see. Written, again, Palmiotti and Connor. Art, Mortat. Cover art, Connor. Regular price, three ninety nine. Ha, ha, ha. Your price, $1.99. From Upshot, 
It's Marjorie Finnegan, temporal criminal number one. She's Marjorie Finnegan, because it says so on the cover. She's a temporal criminal, says that too. What more do you need to know? Oh, all right then. All Marge wants to do is race up and down the timeline, stealing every shiny, gleamy, pretty, sparkly thing she can lay her hands on. But her larcenous trail from the Big Bang to the 95th Reich has drawn the beady eye of the temporal PD whose number one deputy marshal is now hard on our hero, heroine's tail. And taking things extremely personally. Worse still, Marge's worthless creep of an ex and his even scummier partner have seen an angle of their own in all this and now intend to use her time tech to change history for their own benefit. Marge's only ally? A guy called Tim. And he's just ahead. I mean, come on. What use is just ahead? That's your solicit. It is, again, Garth Ennis, Goran Suzuka, Andy Clark did the cover, three ninety nine cover price. What are they going to pay? Dollar 99 Exactly, dollar ninety nine. And last, but overshadowing both of those things, it's from Marvel, Cole the Destroyer, original Marvel Years omnibus hardcover. Uh, Conan wasn't the only Robert E. Howard sword and sorcery icon to be adapted into Marvel Comics. Following Conan's breakout success, Roy Thomas set his sights on Howard's legendary barbarian king of Alusia, Cull. Marie Severin and John Severin contributed what many considered their creative highlight of their careers. Woo! In tales that showed how uneasy hung the crown on the head of Cull, especially when confronting wicked sorcerer Thulsa Doom. The art of Mike Plug also features heavily, along with contributions from some of the era's top talents, including Cull's first appearance, drawn by comics legend Bernie Wrightson. Collecting Cull the Conqueror, 1 to 10, Cull the Destroyer, 11 to 29, Creatures on the Loose, number 10, which is Bernie's first uh, Cull the Barbarian, and Monsters on the Prowl, 16, plus material from Cull and the Barbarians, 1 to 3, Savage Sword of Conan, number 9, Conan the Barbarian, number 10, and Conan Annual, number 3. That's a whole lot of stuff in that book. Uh, what do you get for $125? That's value, right? But you're not going to pay that. You're paying half of that, which is $62.50. If you went to a comic shop and you tried to scare all these up, you would not be able to do it for $62.50. Uh, and they would look nowhere near as nice as this newly printed edition. So, God, just just order it. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or only or, or, order. Birds. <laughs> mm. <laughs> really bleeds right here. Seriously, order editions. <laughs> <laughs> and you get your book shipped right up to your front door by somebody you trust and care about. That's all that really matters, right? DCBService.com. Boom. Nice. It's yeah. Silly. Biggity boom. So silly. Dude, I, I the the Jimmy and Amanda Red Sonia is probably the first and or is the first and probably the last Red Sonia book I'm ever gonna call out in my previous video. You don't know that. Yeah, no, well, I don't know that. I, you, I'm pretty the, excited about it. The it's the, a perfect perfect fit for them. Right. The A is true. It it is the first Red Sonia video, but the B may not be true because they're pulling in a lot of different people to work on these things, right? Dan Abnett is doing uh, the um, 
Red Sonia superpowers and Vampirella dark powers, and they're great. And and it's it, the the writing is is far beyond what we've learned to expect from from Dynamite. Christopher Priest is is doing a, a great long run on Vampirella and um, Sacred Six. Christopher Priest at Dynamite. Who would have thought, right? Did you uh, did you read Gail Simone's Red Sonia run? I had most of it. Yeah, it's fun. I, I mean, yeah. it's it's well done. Mm-hmm. She didn't so, really I like her stuff too. Yeah, didn't stray stray too far from the premise. So, mm-hmm. whatever. Right on. Right on. That's right. I have things that I'm drinking, and they're both the same. There's two of them. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, Donald's coffee. No, wild cherry, <laughs> uh, sparkling water. They're really good. Uh, yeah, now I'm more of a black cherry fan myself, but but that's cool. I have a case of black cherry and a case of wild cherry. All right, nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mentioned to y'all a week or two ago that uh, I'm limiting the alcohol intake, but uh, most of the time I'll I'll have a, a glass of wine with y'all as my my lone my lone imbibation for the week. And so with that, I thought, well, I should up my game on the wine front since I'm not going to be drinking as much grape. I can I can go a little higher rung, you know, savor it. So uh, we picked up a case of this because a uh, friend recommended, like a wine a wine snob friend, what recommended it, and it is it is phenomenal. It is um, from um, Murrieta M U R R I E T A, so Murrieta's well, and it's called the Spur, uh, and it's a blend. You know how we all love our blends around here. It is 42% Cabernet Sauvignon, 24% Petit Syrah, 21% Merlot, and 13% Petit Verdot. And it is so smooth. It's like if you found a way to turn thousand-count Egyptian bed linen into something to drink. That's how smooth it is. (laughs) It's phenomenal. A little pricier than, than, than a lot of the recos that we give you. It's gonna run you like thirty bucks a bottle, but it's really good. So like special occasion, you know, date night, recording EOC, you know, like it's it's that kind of wine. Nice, I like that. What about you, Dad? Tell me you're drinking something hard, hard and <sighs> No, because I had uh, I had wine with dinner, so I'm continuing that uh, Luna. Single Vineyard Malbec uh, from Argentina. And I had it before. It's the uh, 91 points on uh, jamesuckling.com. It is still extremely tasty. Oh, there it is. Well, <laughs> Tag team. Cool. Oh, I, that it drives me crazy, that commercial. I love it so much. I love that commercial. Oh, yeah. my God. You would think it would get old, but that laugh every goddamn yeah. time. That's yeah. the best. And this, yeah, I get it's... mad when they do the uh, edited shorter version. I'm like, no, come on. For time. some reason, the, when the dad suddenly gets it and he makes the face and then bends and then points his hand, I I just lose it every time. I can't take it. It's It's... I don't know. It's just it's brilliant, and also the tag team is doing a commercial like that, like 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 that they don't that they don't take themselves seriously either, which is great. There's a commercial. There's a series of commercials now from IHOP with the somewhat portly 
IHOP manager on the roof of the the building, and he'll he'll the the one that makes the rounds the most is they have breakfast burritos, and he'll be on the top on the roof and he'll throw burritos down to people uh, in the parking lot. But there was one where they do shredded cheese. And he gets the burrito and he pretends the burrito's a guitar and he goes, lee, lee, lee. he goes, now that cheese is shredded, right? And it's the cutest thing. And I told the family about it and they're like, that commercial does not exist. We've never seen that. And I'm like, seriously, it's out there. It exists. So weeks went by, right? Everybody's like, every time the, the other commercial came out, they're like, oh yeah, this is the Bigfoot of commercials because it's the one with the, the guy shredding the cheese. And I'm like, it exists. So, the other night, we were all home. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Because bam, it came on. And I was Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at the TV while everybody was just like, they were stunned that the, the thing actually existed. Uh, look at you being a, being a meme. That that rambles, I know, but it's this guy is so funny. If you get it, you know, if you see it, if you're if you're doing something in the house and the IHOP commercial, whatever it is, comes on, just take a, an ear, listen, because he's funny. He's cute. I don't remember the last time I've seen an I have. I was worried that you know these were just in front of you know some of the YouTube clips you watch because I don't. I That's seen the only really. thing. Uh, well, the only time I see commercials is when Vinny watches um, TV because the only thing I watch on TV is YouTube. The only thing I watch. That's it. I don't know why. I can't explain it. And love why it. should you? I love it. And you know what else we can't explain? How it was that we all read the same thing for this episode? How'd that yes, happen? Inconceivable. <laughs> because that, that, that we, never happens. No, it we bet on a long before. shot. This one, I, I said, I don't know. I will reluctantly read this. If you're all into it, why not? Why? We'll, we'll, we'll. I'll purge. You know, somehow, uh, persevere. Um, yeah, it's. It was. It was really hard to get through this. Um, written and illustrated by James Heron with color art by Dave Stewart. It's Ultra Mega number one. You uh, damn right it is. And going in, I was extremely... Uh, I had high hopes. I anticipated this book greatly from the from the first time we saw it because it is in the proverbial wheelhouse. It's there. Smack dab in the wheelhouse. And I was like, ah... I, I can't wait to get it. Oversized first issue, lots of pages, lots of art. Great, hopefully a great story. I need it, and it arrived, and he did not disappoint in the slightest. At least, thank God you said that. I was like, "Well, where's he going with this?" No, no, I thought it was phenomenal. It's he he pr- pushed all the buttons. Everything he needed to do by my very short list of what I wanted James Heron to do, he did. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, you know he's. He's been, I wouldn't say MIA, but I don't know, man. Like, he, he came onto the scene, right? He was doing some some Valiant stuff, and then he was doing the, the BPRD, and then, obviously, he did Rumble. And then he kind of went ghost, right? Like, I mean... Yeah. Like, no, I'm saying, like, like he was kind of the thing, like, the it, the it guy of comics for Huge, a bit. yeah, yeah. And then... I had some kind of falling out, which I still don't know the whole details with Rumble. And he left the book, and then it came back with David Rubin drawing it. But uh, I'm not sure what happened there. But, uh, but I, you know, and it's like, yeah, the, well, you, you guys are both big music marks. So you'll so every now and then you'll think of a musician or, an, or, or a group that you love, and you'll think, 
damn, you know, it's been a minute since they put anything new out. Like, they're overdue. I was thinking, like, that's how James Heron is. People are like, man, like, what the hell's James Heron up to? Now, we heard he was working on this thing, this 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 passion project of his for some time. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think expectations were high, not only because of the genre, but because of the, of the creator. And uh, like you, I thought it was an absolute Grand Slam. Yeah. yeah. The thing I appreciated the most about it was he didn't walk on eggshells. He's just like, okay, here's the premise. There's a, a kaiju plague, right? Um, a mysterious alien comes picks a couple of people to be the Earth's protectors, which is in keeping with the Ultraman franchise, right? Um, and this is what happens. Like, even the way he, um, Jason gets his powers, the, the, the alien's like, this is a monumental honor we bestow upon you and you need to be there and, and destroy the kaiju. And Jason's like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, there, there was, there was funny moments in it. It was not played super straight, tight ass. Like, I have to please a bunch of fanboys. I'm just going to give them everything. No, he's just like, man, this is my story and I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to have giant, uh, costumed, uh, warriors punching the shit out of Kaiju. And that's basically what it was with a twist at the end, right? Mm-hmm. So it opened up the series. I didn't think, uh, I thought the the people to which we were introduced in this issue would be around for, you know, uh, at not not maybe not the duration, but a good chunk of it. And it's like, okay, everything you knew is now gone. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's that Southern Bastards move. Oh, look, it's yep. the dad. He's coming home. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I think what I expected. Uh, this this looks absolutely amazing. I mean, there was a, um, and there's a reason why I asked this to the patrons on the slack uh i'll probably save it for my new travels but i i asked folks to give me an example of their favorite um their favorite artists or images that uh displays movement on the page in a panel uh and there have been some great ones whether you know it's it's from uh dc the new frontier or um Calvin and Hobbes dance it like whatever you feel makes you actually feel the movement and not just a static image on a page. Um, and, and, and a bunch of folks came through, they gave some stellar examples. Uh, but I posted that and then I read ultra mega and the amount of, I, you've got people flying through the air, being punched through the air, and 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 the force that Heron is is showing you here. It's I haven't really seen something like this in a while. To 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 my recollection, and obviously I do, but there's there are just I mean the the, the action in here, the fact that um you know we're watching dudes getting walloped all through a city and, and knocking over buildings and, and uh, punches being thrown. And, and, and the way Heron and Stewart manipulate the image to give you that, 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 that sense of, of movement. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's unparalleled, but it's, it's amazing. It, it is a beautiful, beautiful book. I, oh, I don't like violence. I, you know, okay. I, I'm sorry. You feel that way, but it's, it's, it's necessary in this book, but it's just the art is, is, Absolutely fantastic. 
Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. I, I think that uh, shocking because you all know how I am with back matter, but I in this case I did read Heron's little little back matter at the end, and I love that to Vince's point, he says, "Listen, I I wanted to do a kaiju story, and I love the stuff, but I'm by no means an expert." Like, kind of just saying, like, I'm not going to, this isn't going to be, like, some carefully thought out, you know, homage to all of you that have spent 30 years paying attention to the original stuff. Like, I just, I'm, it, it inspired me, and I'm going to tell my story. And I love that, because cause that's that's where I'm at with this stuff. Like, I, I love this stuff conceptually, but I'm by no means uh, an acolyte to it. So, um, yeah, man, and like you said, Vince, I think the twist is really cool. Um, I love... For the people that haven't read it, just when we're talking about like the setup, um, in this case there is this kaiju plague, which has been done many, many times, right? But but for some reason in this world, um, they only seem to appear when they're in the vicinity of the protectors, and that has, I guess, some unintended, very, um, very depressing consequences for our heroes in question. Um, and and the other thing too about Heron and and I you know I don't want to besmirch other books like while we're giving this book love but I had made an allusion to this when we were talking about how excited we were for it that this book was seemed to me to be a much cooler idea in its th- in its theory because of Heron's drawing style than what we got out of Radiant Black which was also a you know, pretty big pushed image number one recently and also a a, a play on on. The Common Rider Ultraman motif, and I was really disappointed by that. And I think that then they read this, and I'm even more like this, and it, it's like even in more more contrast to me, because this is visceral and violent and passionate, and like you said, it's a little funny. It doesn't take itself seriously, and there's huge twists and a legit jaw dropping moments where where that other book just was so by the book, it felt like I was watching the pilot episode of a, of a CW version of Power Rangers. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, like, I'm stoked. I don't know how long he's going to do this book for, but, you know, the fact that he's got already got next month another 44-pager coming at us is pretty encouraging. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and it's quirky as hell, too. I like the way that um, when Jason dispatched that one kaiju and he turns – back to his human form that his head is yeah his head is uh he's got the hydrocephaly going on so valak his head is huge and he's got a little tiny you know regular sized body and uh you know his wife's watching him from uh some kind of a feed and she's like yeah you know you know you don't have pants on um so it's it's funny but um i don't think it, it it doesn't in not knowing what to avoid, he doesn't bastardize the genre. You know what I mean? Like he's not hugely informed. So he's he's not saying, well, I can't do this. The, the creative possibilities with this book are open-ended because he's not worrying about um, infuriating this, this tiny little subset of comic readers that are actually going to care whether or not the beta capsule works the way you know what i mean like there's no rules to his work other than what he's setting for it which is great i love it is it a a little take on ultraman yeah yeah of course it is right um there's there's differences but you can you can point them out the um his power source is implanted in his chest where Ultraman has, you know, various, some, most Ultraman have a, a device which they need to 
um, activate to turn them into, you know, Ultraman. But other than that, it's the premise is almost exact. Alien comes to Earth, chooses, or in in some cases, crosses paths with a protector or a champion. Boom. That's all you need to know. That's really all you need to know with this. Uh, and you're in. And my dude is tired at this point. Like, oh yeah, we should, we should say. Uh, yeah. And, and just, I, I think people get it, but you keep saying Jason. The, the character's name Jason. Mm-hmm. In case some of you are confused, thinking Vince's. Um, and and dude is a he's a washed up boxer. He was a a, a pro boxer that uh, got his ass absolutely whooped in this final fight, and hasn't really been able to make much of himself since. He's at the beginning of the book. Uh, he's a janitor, and he gets replaced. He loses his job as a janitor to a little robot. So this is slightly in the future, I think, because there's there's definitely robots and stuff in it. Yeah, lots of robots. But, yeah, um, but he so he's down on his luck, and then he, like you said, he gets these powers, and then we kind of fast forward. Now he's been this this ultra mega defender for a long time, and he's tired, man. He's tired because it's like he doesn't really get a choice. Pretty much any time one shows up, he he powers up, and he's got to do what he's got to right. do. Hasn't had a vacation in a while. Yeah, and his wife, he's got a new, he's got a young baby, like a. a newborn uh son and his wife and they're like oh begging for a vacation and, and they're hinging on this fact that uh there's two other ultra mega defenders and one of them is like there's a big brawny dude who had something happen and so he's gone on a walkabout they haven't seen him in years and then there's this nerdy kid and this nerdy kid even as ultra mega gets what his ass whooped by a kaiju uh early on and and then basically stops being the ultra mega but is a brainiac, and so he spends his time building robots, which are he's hoping he can invent AI-based robots that can be better defenders of the kaiju than the Ultra Mega themselves. And um, yeah, so the characters are interesting, you know. And then I, I I I didn't expect this in the first issue, but I love that we get a glimpse as to why uh, Ern went on on walkabout, mm-hmm. and and also how it's so so beautifully tied into the dilemma that they're facing in the moment because Jason made a different decision. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Ern made, I think the right decision, but obviously that's a hard decision to make in the moment, but he certainly, I think made the right one, but it, it fucked him up and he basically went on walkabout, you know? Yeah. So I think I it was really a... tightly, tightly like, like it was, it was really smartly, but not too, it wasn't complex where your brain hurt. And it wasn't a thing where he plants these seeds and you don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but you assume that you're going to figure it out over time it's all really there for you. It's on the page and in yeah. the word balloons. And I and I appreciated that. I appreciated the simplicity of the narrative and that it all was there, but it made sense and it was logical and it 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 and yeah, I just I, I really thought it was very well executed. Yeah. And some things were understated, right? There seems to be a group or um a, a number of, of organizations that make their money by cleaning up these kaiju battles, right? And so that's going on. There seems to be a um, movement, an anti-robot movement. You know, robot stole my job. So there's, there's, there, yeah, there's things in the background of, uh, that just fully flesh out this world. I thought it was, it, it's just wonderful. It's everything that Marvel's Ultraman is missing: the spontaneity, the kinetic. Um, gritty artwork. Uh, I think Marvel played it too close to the vest with their Ultraman. If it looked half as good as this, we'd be talking about that book more. You know, uh, I, I just think Heron has a winner in this, and I hope he does it for a thousand years. 
Yeah, I'd like I, I I would really like this to be his Savage Dragon, his spawn, his you know, when when you think um synonymous with him. You know, I love Rumble and I he's never drawn an image that I think I've I've disliked, but this is something that um it's obviously a labor of love. Like you said, Vince, it, it's it's fleshed out. He thought things through. It's not like, you know, we're just it, it's not like it's it's Dorkin's fight man where it's just, you know, we're just going to slap some things around, we're gonna have fun showing some action there's there's ramifications there's there's consequences to actions it's um you can i I, it's the first issue but i feel like you can be uh maybe not invested in in certain characters but i I, in in this world and and the concept and what um what james is planning on on doing with this i mean for all i know it could be a six issue miniseries i don't know but it's it's just what we're getting um I'm excited for for what's to come. I think, uh, and because of what happens in this issue, uh, you really can't guess as to what the future may hold for anybody. Um, it's you know, it, it's it's like watching an episode of Deadwood or something where you don't know if someone's going to come out of it at at the end of it. it. It's you really there's no necessarily star of the show. I, I, I have an idea what's going to happen based on the last few pages in the first issue, uh, just based on years of comic book reading, uh, and following other stories. I, I can, I can take guesses as, as to what we're looking at, but I'll let him let it play out. And, uh, and, and we'll see what happens. But I, I love the fact that I may have thought one thing going in, and it was, and and that's that's kind of a, a theme for the things I've read this week. I, I thought it was going to be one thing going in, uh, and and I was completely turned around on my ass, kind of by the middle of it, but definitely by the end of it. It it's it's a fantastic issue. I think I, if if you're on the fence, I I would not wait for any sort of collection. I I would absolutely ask your shop if if you didn't pick it up this week to. Um, to get one for you. I, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed if um, the, the art is great. I think it's great first issue as far as setting things up. Um, and listen, I am not, of the three of us, I am the least excited about Kaiju. I think they're great. It's cool. They're, they're, they're neat to watch, but I'm not, I'm not the one, you know, at the front of the line when it's time for Pacific Rim or Kong versus gods. They're, 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 I, I enjoy those stories, but that's not, I, I'm not going to see an image and say, you know, shut up and take my money. It's this kind of um, reignited any love I may have lost for, for, for the genre. But um, if, if you are into big monsters getting the, the, the crap beat out of them, you should have probably already ordered this. But uh, if you weren't sure because you think James Heron as a writer is unproven, um, get your ass to the store and get this issue. Yeah, there's a number of points on which we are being very, very vague. And, yeah. and some things we need to mention at all. So uh, because it just came out. It came out yesterday. And, we and I want people to experience it. I mean, yeah. we can talk about it, but no, no, I want, no, no, no. Need to read this and and get through it, and and I want people to have their holy shit moments. I don't want to take that from them. Yeah, so vague it is, but uh, it, I think it's a sure thing, and you should plug in right now because it's probably going to get hard, be hard to get if uh, once the, the the buzz gets out there. Issues are going to get scooped up. It's going to go to second printing. You're going to get pissed off because you got a second printing. Just go 
buy it now. Whatever. All right. I love it. Scoop, there it is. Yeah. Wonderful. What else do we have? I hope lots of things. This was oh. a good week for me. This was a good week. I got a theme going. Oh, word? Yeah. And and it was it was an unintentional theme. Writer artist? Um, no. No genre. Oh, because oh, that's my theme, writer artist. Cool. Well, so what what start me off? What do you got with this theme? Well, um I gotta give a shout out to Panel Syndicate again. Because Yeah. <laughs> love chocolate, love peanut butter. You mix them together, it's like a whole nother level. Love Panel Syndicate, love Victor Santos. Put them together, Woodrow's a happy boy. This week, as is off the case with the Panel Syndicate, we get a, at least to me, it was a surprise drop. I didn't I didn't know it was coming. Maybe others did. I didn't know that. I think it wasn't really publicized. I think I knew David, uh, I knew Victor was working on something new. I mistakenly assumed it was just a new OGN for Dark Horse because, as you guys know, he's done the vast majority of his American work with Dark Horse with all the Polar GNs and then um, his more recent stuff that he's written and drawn. Um, so much to my surprise, he dropped a first issue of a new series on a Panel Syndicate, which for those of you listening, if you're new to the show, Panel Syndicate is a web platform for publishing that is um, run by Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin. They created it uh, for their own book back in the day, but now they have it sitting there for any creator friends that want to use it. And it's one of those, it's a self-publishing model. They publish the book and then you can download it in any format that you want and you can pay whatever you want. So if you're a cheapskate, you can just download it for free. Or if you absolutely love the creators or the idea, you can pay $1,000, whatever you want to do. So um, this is called Paranoia Killer. And it's uh, written and drawn by Victor. Uh, it starts off with almost like a commercial for Thorn Crown, which is um, kind of like, uh, like uh, what's, the, what's that? Uh, Treadstone? Yeah, like Treadstone or like Black or like you know uh, uh, Blackthorn. Oh, 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 uh, Blackwater. Uh, Blackwater. Yeah, thank you. I was blanking. Like it's it's a it's a private army situation, right? And it's kind of like some propaganda about that, and uh, and and then you get this kind of strange scene where you see uh, dude getting loaded up with all kinds of like drugs, and uh, then different people like a woman, and then a man's face, and. And he does these really cool effects where each panel is a... For those that aren't familiar with Victor's work, he's got a very, very clean, simple line. Um, he's very much in the of the Darwin Cook uh, f- family of cartooning. Um, and he spots a ton of black ink on the page. Um, very graphic. And then he'll use colors, but generally he only uses one or two colors on a, on a page or a panel. It's, 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 it's just sharp primary color work. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so and then you, you like kind of get this flash where you see a woman and then a man and then and then uh, almost like a cosmic looking being and they say before the dot 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 me and that's the intro and then you get to thirty three days ago so you get a flashback and then we're introduced to um, the protagonist of the book named Natalie. She's uh, in the back of an FBI truck uh, with her her teammates, her FBI teammates, and they're all giving each other some shit. 
because they're heading to a, a mission, a raid, or what have you. Uh, the raid happens as you know Victor's at his best when he's doing action sequences. Uh, they they the raid uh, somewhat of a success, but but things don't go quite as well as it hoped. Um, when when she's Natalie's back at the base, uh, presuming it's her boss. I, they don't really make that clear, but but her boss says, "Hey, we got a situation. Do you know?" Uh, and she she says, "Do you know this person named Fabian?" And um, and she's like, "Yeah, it's my it's my brother." She's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." He's like, "No, you something happened to your brother Fabian." So she goes and Fabian's dead. He's sitting on the gurney dead. Um, but it turns out that she hasn't seen Fabian in a long time. And it looks like Fabian had turned himself into uh, someone named Delon Sombre, who was one of the world's most dangerous hitmen and uh, provocateurs, saboteurs. So she can't believe it because it's like her little bro. She thought her little bro was just strung out on drugs somewhere, kind of like being a loser. Um, and uh, they got to figure out like how what he's been up to, who's working with. And they assume, they they somehow or another are implying that because they're twinsies, Natalie's his twin, that they can turn her into his impersonator to meet up at this Thorn Crown headquarters. And somehow Thorn Crown, this Blackwater business, is is all it's all tied up into all this nefariousness. And um, and so she she somehow, and we don't know because that's it, to be determined, somehow ends up impersonating her brother. But it doesn't look like she's just like shaved her head and and put on a suit. Like it looks like she's in her brother's body. So I don't know if there's there's got to be some sci-fi elements, uh, so forth, so on. But uh, but and then look at me reading all the back matter this week. It's like a theme. Um, but but Victor says in the back matter, like, don't worry. I know you're confused, but this you know this needs a better explanation. But don't worry, this is just the bait. Um, and he uh, goes on to explain that he actually was working on two other things um, in 2020 that uh, got frozen because of the pandemic. Uh, one with uh, Mike Avon Oming, uh, who's a longtime collaborator of his, as you guys know. And uh, another one um, that he doesn't get as much detail on, but because of the because of the pandemic, he had to kind of pivot, which led to this series. Um so I, I'm a thousand percent on board. Uh, you know, I don't like. I don't have any doubts that I'm going to enjoy it because I've not yet read something that Victor's drawn that I haven't loved. I just adore his art styling. Shocker! I know that's newsflash, but um, but he's just great at this kind of espionage story, and it seems like um, this time he's going to weave a little little uh, matter or persona transference technology into there. So we're going to some sci-fi, some high tech. So I'm all for it, man. I'm here for it all. I have no idea how long this is going to be, um, but uh, but that's part of the fun of it. I just have to wait with bated breath, like you do for all the other panels, panels syndicate books, like Friday and stuff. Just waiting for the next issue to drop, and 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 every now and then you see it and you you get excited and you read it. Looks great. Yeah, it's Victor Santos. I mean, yeah, to give yeah. I I would. Um, I I did a little search while you were speaking, and just to see the art. And I would include images into our gallery at 11oClockComics.com, but all of them uh, are saved in WebP format. So I can't do shit with them. So if you want to see art from um, the Victor Santos book, uh, Google it because uh, 
As far as I'm concerned, that's the only way you're going to get to see it. I don't know why anybody, well, I know why people use that format for just this reason, that I can't go save an image from someone else and put it into our gallery. So that's why that, that format exists. Hey, I mean, I'm not asking you to do this, but couldn't you just do a screen cap and then? I could, yeah, but then that's that's like a photocopy of a photocopy yeah. of a, you know, I don't want to do Resolution's it. only as good as a screen. Yeah. I mean, I got um, the retina going on, but still, I, I, it's, if, if they want to save in WebP format, then I'll honor that request and not crook their images. Whatever. Sure. Yeah, it's, 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 it, yeah. it's a really good first issue. I enjoyed it a lot. Right? Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's an accomplished dude. You know, definitely. I like his art. More people love him. I really like the colors. I mean, even with the the like the zip tone backgrounds, it it's it was it was it, it was nice. And it was it was bright too. There were uh, there were a few things um, this week that uh, or recently that just like nobody knows how to turn on a light switch sometimes. Um, but this this was uh, the panel layout solid. It's it it was a really I, I enjoyed it a lot. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I like that he just kind of let his mind run wild. Like he said that he was, he's interested in the rise of private armies like Blackwater. He's he he had just read a book about um, MK Ultra and the mind control on the soldiers, and so he had all these ideas running around. And uh, also was, well, I guess, was and is totally obsessed with with uh, so say we all uh, um, Tezuka Osama Tezuka, and so he. Um, he he likened it to, uh, I, he said, it's like Tezuka's Princess Knight by way of Philip K. Dick. Nice. Uh, and he said, this is the quote you would use to sell the pitch to Jerry Bruckheimer or a Netflix executive. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like, I, he's not even taking, he's, like, I like he's making fun of himself in this pitch, and but but it all works for me, you know. And uh, and I've had the good fortune to get to know him a bit on the interwebs because of uh, this, during the pandemic, because of my absolute obsession with, his art after Polar, and then obviously we've joked, but I would say, what, a good 30-plus EOC faithful have commissioned him, right? That's probably a fair number. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he, he actually said to, to us that, uh, that that 11 O'Clock Comics was was very hugely responsible for paying his mortgage during the pandemic, and that's pretty cool. So, Yeah, it's good to help out, right? That's right. Pay it forward, Vince. That's what I always do. I try. You I try so hard. You're a far sweeter, kinder person than you'd like to pretend to be. It's that again is is very true, and it's one of the reasons why I don't be sweeter and kinder. At least because I I don't like to open up, but I will on this book. I'm shuck you like a clam. Yes, that's nice. That's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna run you like a grunion. Um, <laughs> I uh, I have had this on the shelf for a good a good long while, and um, uh, I have four volumes. I have uh, during my research, I have uh, uncovered that there were ten, so I got some some searching to do. Uh, the book of which I, I will not reveal the title until we get into it. It, it begins with this wild, frenzied pursuit across rooftops it's awesome there's there's two brothers that were schooled in light foot kung fu right and they're racing effortlessly across these rooftops and they're transporting a priceless weapon 
of immense power. And somebody wants it because they're being chased. Okay, they're on their trail is a man named Yugan Chung, and he's known as the Golden Spear. Um, he does not practice the same light foot kung fu as the brothers. His uh, form is more violent. Every footfall this guy makes chews up the terrain. If he if he's running across the the, the rooftops, see uh, roof tiles come blasting off the, the the roof if he's running up steps the steps are crushed and crumbled and he's like he's reducing them to rubble and gravel it's crazy this guy's just like Argh. and he's got the spear and he's hot on the heels of the brothers and he picks up this little piece of shattered stone and he flicks it at one of the brothers and it disrupts his chi and the brothers like uh, he's staggered right so true to his name yugan chung promptly impales that brother on the golden spear and the other brother's like, oh, shit. So he's he's looking for the high ground. And he runs up the side of a massive pagoda. And Golden Spear's following him. And as he's doing it, he's ripping up the side of the building. Like uh, wood splinters. He's, he's, he gets to the roof and all these ceiling, uh, again, uh, roof tiles just, wow, just bang all over the place. Uh, but the, the brother... Uh, the the living brother he's got no recourse he has to draw the weapon he has to reveal it he, i know he's trying to keep it out of this dude's hand but he's got to save his, himself so he draws the weapon and it is the green destiny sword from crouching tiger hidden dragon mm-hmm. oh, but in crouching tiger the the green destiny sword was a formidable weapon because Li Mu Bai, you, you knew how to use it. In this retail, it's actually a prequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. In this series, the Green Destiny Sword is amazingly powerful. Like when it's drawn, all there's green energy all over the place. When it when oh, it's really? yeah, when it's swung, it there's like massive arcs of of uh, emerald uh, force. Uh, so let me get oh. into it's it's awesome. The uh, the thing was written. Of course, the original novel is Wang Du Lu, but this was written and drawn by Seto Kim Kiyu, a.k.a. Andy Seto, who has done a lot of stuff. Uh, Saint Legend, which I have, is, and it's awesome. It was published in t- 2002 by Comics One, but as I said, it is a prequel set uh, before Li Mu Bai and Yushu Lian knew each other. So they're young uh, this first volume chronicles their their first meeting, right? You don't get this in the movie. Uh, there's hints at it, but th- it's not really all spelled out. Uh, Yushu Lian is the object of attention for all the young men in in her province. Like she's regarded as the most beautiful woman in the region, um, and but she's got a lot of responsibilities, right? Her father's getting up there in age. And his martial arts skills are not what they once were. And unfortunately, Daddy has a lot of enemies. He's got a lot of formidable enemies. So Yushu Lian takes on the role of Daddy's protector, right? She's also betrothed. Now, they do mention that in the in the movie. Like, she was uh, intended to be married, but she didn't. Uh, but more on that later. So, as expected, Daddy's enemies attack. And it's like all in the family time. There's a backstory. There many moons ago, this this grand you, which is Lim, 
Yushu Lien's father. He killed this guy named Long Ho, who was his best friend, but turned to a life of crime. And a uh, very despicable dude. The the two parted ways, and Grand Yu got into a position where he had to he had to kill his once best friend, uh, and now the Ho clan wants revenge. But it turns out that Long Ho's daughter, Jeng Ho, is married to Yu Gan Chung, the Golden Spear, which is a relative of Grand Yu. They don't really spell it out. I don't think it's his son, mm-hmm. uh, maybe his nephew, uh, but they're somewhat related. So whatever the case. Is it, is it fair to say, we don't love them hoes? We don't. The nasty hoes. Uh, but whatever the case, Xu Lian enters the fray and she kicks everybody's ass. Everybody goes down. And she's using the same light foot kung fu uh, as I mentioned before. So the hoes run away <laughs> with their tails between their legs. Um, enter Li Mubai, right? And he practices wudan kung fu which is this school of inner strength. And they really, Andy Sato really pushes the mystical element of the Kung Fu in this. Like in the movie, you got a lot of the, the wire foo and it's not physically possible, but it looks good on screen. And, and you know, so the, it did lend itself to somewhat of a mystical element in this. Li Mu buys on top of a, a, a stone outcropping and the, the wind is whipping around him. He's controlling the wind. He's almost like levitating. So there's there's a paranormal edge to this that wasn't really in the movie. So if you're dead set on Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, as it was on the screen, this is not entirely that. It does have the characters, but it's it's more, uh, well, it's comics. So it, they take advantage of the possibilities of the sequential art form, and they push it, right? Um, so in order to practice Wudan, it's said that one has to be pure of heart, not an aggressor, and very, very humble, all of which Li Mubai is. If you, again, if you've seen the movie, you know this. Um, and he's extremely formidable. But his silly friend, she, pranks him and tells him that Grand Yu has offered the hand of his daughter in marriage to anyone who can best her in combat. And Li Mubai is immediately taken by Yu Shu Lian, who wouldn't be, right? And he asks if he can engage in a friendly battle with her. And they fight, you know. Shulian um, throws a, 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 a an impressive barrage of attacks at him, but Li Mubai doesn't. He doesn't even break a sweat. He, the battle's broken up by her father. Uh, uh, Li Mubai's told the, the truth, and he realizes he's an ass for believing his, his portly friend Shi, and he heads out on his way. And as he's leaving... He crosses paths with Jang Ho, and she looks like she's got the devil on her tail. So, uh, shit's a Bruin. I did not traipse into volumes two, three, and four yet. This is just the first volume. The artwork is absolutely astounding. Um, if you like detail, <laughs> you should really check this out. Because when I say every one of the roof tiles is pulled off, every one of the roof tiles is drawn. And when, when the steps are crumbling, massive amounts of detail, like disturbing amounts of infinitely uh, small marks on the page of this thing. It's ridiculously intense. But uh, that's, and again, if you've uh, read St. Legend, you know what to expect from Andy Sato. It's a, he's an extremely um, precise 
illustrator. Um, there's no ragged lines in this thing. Every line is beautifully sculpted, uh, precision placed on the page. It's he's an he's an amazing uh, illustrator. But you know, there's there's no it, the expression comes from the 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 martial arts and the you know the motions and but there's no there's really no expression in the line uh not to to the james heron extent if you want to bring it all back home but uh jason you're you're a fan of the movie right yeah it's it's funny you bring it up like that you're talking about this comic because a i didn't know it existed but b um when beth and uh jackson holden were down in florida two weeks ago um I watched Lady Snowblood for the first time ever, mm. and then right after, rewatched Cross and Tiger Hidden Dragon. Nice. And uh, yeah, hey. I, I, I mean, I, I love that film. Yeah. Okay, David, you like it too, right? And oh, I love it. Yeah. So I, I all right, in in my research for this, um, I, I, you know, you go down that rabbit hole when you're looking for one thing. I, I googled Andy Sato to see whatever you know his his list of accomplishments and all that. You go down the rabbit hole, and I'm reading a couple of reviews of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and they listed young Jen as the hero. And I'm like, on what friggin' planet is she the hero mm. of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Right, yeah. And the the the, the um, reviews were informed. They were well-written. This wasn't just some fly-by-night, you know, guy on a vlog or a, or a blog. Like, th- these were... Top sites, or relatively, and they doing reviews of a of a an important film, and they the, more than one listed Jen as the 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 uh, cursed hero. It's like I don't think she's anything near a hero. In in fact, she's a disruptive force in the movie. She kept two people apart that should have been together. Yeah, you know, although you know, well, we don't have to get into it. I mean, yeah, if you've she seen, was selfish. Yeah, yeah, and she was. See, if you've seen the movie, uh, awesome. Uh, those that don't, you really need to see Crouching Tiger. It, it's a great, great film. But um, and this is not uh, Andy Sato does not have to hang his head in shame. It does justice to to the film. It it does. Now, are ha- these comics readily available now, or is uh, it have to go deep digging? No, I got it uh, when I originally bought it. I got them on eBay. So um, okay, so they're, and they're, they're not like you can't Amazon these. I think you could. I think it's available on Amazon. Uh, but the production, uh, while I'm at it, is first rate. These are digest size, a little bit bigger than digest size. Uh, if you've ever um, bought the Disney books from IDW, uh, that's the form factor, pretty much the same. Uh, but they have French flaps, French uh, end flaps. There is uh, spot varnish and foil um, on the front and back covers. Like there's the production values spare no expense, and they're all in full color. Um, author profiles in the back. You get uh, previews of. Uh, are these in English? Or are they? Yeah. Yep. Man, I never knew these existed. Yeah, I have some that aren't translated, but I mean mm-hmm. in the original. But these are these were comics one took them up, published them here. In the U.S. Uh, for uh, obviously a U.S. audience, and they're completely in English. The back matters uh, as well. Um, yeah, they're they're amazing. Huh. It's really interesting. There's so many things out there that you, we never. No, I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember when Jade Man 
Remember the Jade Man comic? Well, I know, oh, I know David shit. does. The Jade Man comics, at least locally, in, in, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, they blew up. Like, our local shop, you couldn't, you had to get there on Wednesday. Then it was, what, Tuesday? Uh, whatever. It was whatever day the, the comics used to come out on back in the day. Uh, yeah. You had to get there or you, the Jade Man books would, would sell out. And it's weird, right? Pennsylvania? But um, now, over the years, how many Jademan books do we see in the, the back issue bins for like a quarter? <laughs> it's nuts. It's crazy. But yeah, I mean, Nico's pilled from, from, from Pennsylvania. So, you know, it's not like, it's not, it wasn't the bustling comic book hub, but, you know, they're. Speaking of Pennsylvania. I guess East Coast for people who didn't want to go to New York. Yeah. Speaking of Pennsylvania, I did a, a COVID clinic about 45 minutes away. Uh, this past Saturday, I won't list the area. I won't mention the area. But one of the women, the women who were, uh, I, I was doing the paperwork, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm ticketing her COVID card and stickering it, and we're talking. And she goes, I had a comic shirt on. She goes, Oh, you like comics? And as I, she was a, uh, turned out she was a, a male person. And she goes, Yeah, Jim Balance on my route. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, the Catwoman guy, and he draws that 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 <laughs> that naked witch. And I'm like, oh, are you are you kidding me? She's like, yeah. She goes, I talk to Holly Golightly all the time. We we she's uh, she's she, yeah. She goes, she's not aging. Well, I shouldn't say that because maybe you know who knows. Holly Golightly. So yeah. No. I, come on. She's still pretty. But um. Yeah. She's she was talking about Jim Ballant, and I was like, I. Yeah, I'm down with Jim. I've been reading his stuff for. He, she, she goes, oh, he's, his books are dirty. <laughs> that's that's why he's one what of do you the. Think I like him. It, it, <laughs> yeah, that's why he's one of the uh, few guys that can are self employed in this business. He doesn't. Yeah. He publishes his own things. He does his his own stories. Whatever he wants to do, and he's been doing it. Like, keep on keeping on, Jim Ballant. Say what you will, but guy's got a cottage industry. So yeah, there you go. Sorry for the nice. tan- tangent. There you go. Dap, okay, what you got? Guys. Um I will uh something else that came out this week. Um it oh, man, it doesn't really juxtapose, but I guess I'll I am gonna talk about this. But um so post future state uh justice league 59 came out yesterday and i or this week tuesday rather but um the cover doesn't do it justice the standard non-variant cover um it's written by brian michael bendis the art is by david marquez and it is fantastic i mean obviously there's, there's some manga influences here but it is it is it's I can't stop staring at these pages. It's it's in it, it's crazy. My, they're um, you know it is it's it's the Bend of Superman. You know everybody knows he's Clark Kent. Uh, it's it's set in in that that world that era. Um, I'm not sure about the portrayal of Batman though. There there's a uh, there's this massive horned creature that uh, there's. Goes by Brutus, uh, who comes in and shows up over um, uh, Kandak and Black Adam 
is is hovering over a child who is visiting a um a grave and uh while while they're having a conversation a portal opens up and and this demonic looking like like not quite tim curry but close uh is is um is there but talking i'm not going to say he's he's very informal in his speech he doesn't sound like you know like dark side or, or some other otherworldly being who's showing up to invade he's he's uh he's talking as if you know you and uh you and number 99 here are going to sit here and play some some, some sacred genesis chilling on the couch it um it was a little weird but you know i'm gonna chalk that up to to, to bendis being bendis and you know some black adam and and Brutus are having a knockdown tear out and they uh that's when the Justice League shows up and the first thing Batman says is identify yourself. What brings you here? And that just did not really ring true to me. I, I could see maybe Alquaman saying that, but for some reason it just it, it it doesn't really you know, after reading the Tom stuff and uh over the years it just it was a little weird. It it didn't take me out of the story didn't stop me it was just of all the characters to say that it was just that was i gave me pause but um and then he's got the little not really what he did in event kind of like what fraction did with with, with when he was writing x-men where you have the character and like a little little snippet a little sentence of, oh, okay, yeah. of who they are what they do uh like for green arrow it says uh green arrow insanely wealthy archer extraordinaire and uh and of course, the Flash is just the fastest man alive. But um, so the Justice League is taking on Brutus, and again, the, the art's fantastic. Uh, Marquez does great stuff with the action. Um, again, with the whole movement thing. My only complaint is that the shield on Superman's chest is kind of tiny. It's it's a little bigger than Ramita Junior.'s belt buckle that he's got on his chest, but it's still not the way it's 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 been shown lately. But um, the uh, when 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 Brutus escapes because he's like, listen, um, you know, this was not. I wasn't. I was kind of uh, wasn't prepared for everybody here. I just, you know, I kind of showed up thinking it was going to kind of be easy. But uh, I'll come back. I'll um, I'll be better equipped. So you know, YOLO. And and he he takes off, and everybody's back at the uh, the Hall of Justice, trying to find out why um, Hawkwoman's mace with the nth metal had some effect on Brutus. Everybody else kind of, uh, didn't really phase him all that much, but, but for some reason the nth metal did. So, so flash is going to try to, uh, it's going to do some research on there, but there seems to be not, not turmoil or conflict within, within the group, but you know, green arrow thinks that, you know, we could be doing more, uh, Black Canary's kind of shooting that down. Batman's like, no, we already do plenty. But 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 Superman's like, yeah, we can. You know, it's it's um, we're not. You know, he's agreeing with Green Arrow, but you know, they're not really delivering on on everything that they promise. And um, it it's it's uh, it was interesting that you know, even though they're all united and together, there's still everybody's got different ideas and opinions. So it's not, it's not a hive mind. And, and, and I, I can kind of dig that. So when, um, when Kellex is trying to figure out maybe where Brutus came from, uh, it looks like there's a, um, the, 
the dimension has a uh, unique energy signature, but it does match something or someone else that they have on record, and that someone is uh, is Naomi. So that's the introduction to getting Naomi into the league. But when we cut to Naomi at home, hanging out with her friends, showing them that, you know, she does have powers because this is after Young Justice and everything. Um, Black Adam shows up and he wants to have a word with her. So um, I don't, you know, judging by the cover and of course with the Endless Winter thing, I, you know, you can kind of guess that eventually Black Adam will be on the league. But as far as this first issue uh, or this introduction to this new version, um, I don't know if he's going to try, if Black Adam is going to try to persuade uh, Naomi to join up with him. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to cause some drama, but uh, the art, as I said, I, I thought the art blew me away. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with Marquez, but I don't know if I've seen him look this sharp. I was really, really happy with the way this looks. And the, uh, the backup is a, um, is a justice league dark story by, uh, Ram V and, uh, Zermanico. And, uh, it's, I've never, I haven't read a lot of justice league dark stories. So, um, I'm familiar with the team. I guess Zatanna doesn't have her powers right now. Um, she and Constantine, show up at a location uh jason blood shows up so it's 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 a handful of pages it's it's cool if you know if you're just a dark fan uh this might wet your whistle but um i mean for me the the main event was was the main story and and i ain't mad at it it was it it was a lot of action a lot of uh a lot of big you can call them panels but uh, i mean the action is kind of its own panel and, and uh, it's just kind of edge to edge on the borders. It's, it's, I like the way Mark has presented um, everything here, but I really, really enjoyed this. But what's, um, I also read the first volume um, of Injustice, God's Among Us, and and this is it's written by Tom Taylor, but the art the art is supremely inconsistent. Uh, it's it's uh, Jeremy Rappick, uh, Mike S. Miller, Bruno Redondo, Axel Jimenez, David Yarden, Tom Derenick, Mark Deering. And, well, there's uh, your. I mean, uh, that's quite a list of different types of artists, but, right there. But the, and 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 it's 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 however many issues six, uh, just uh, maybe six, I think. But the problem is, it's not like one artist is is handling an issue. The the problems I have, yeah, six six issues in this collection, mm-hmm. um, is that you'll have you'll have different artists on an issue, and it's not like the artist is it's not like david yarden's going to draw uh the flash in australia and then derenick is going to handle anything taking place on the watchtower it's like you have you have artists like you turn the page everybody's fighting in arkham asylum and it's one artist you turn the page the fight's still going on but now it's a different artist and i mean oh, it, really? and it happens because you have like here's here's nightwing 
with with a full head of flowing hair. And then when um, when Damien goes and uh, to knock him out, well, he throws he throws a batarang at him to uh, to get him away. There's well, oh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but but in that scene, you turn the page and, and Nightwing's got like you know a buzz cut. It's like what what the, how does no one fix these things? But my my thing is. And this is what happens, you know, aside from like Red Sun, and I'm not really going to include Crime Syndicate or, or Earth 2 with this because Ultraman is his own thing, but um, I'm not sure why, I understand this is based on a video game and this and this story is like a prequel, it, the, the events in this book take place before the video game, um, so I'm not going to, not blaming anybody. Not, I'm not blaming Tom Taylor. I'm not saying, you know, oh, it's because of, it, it's, you know, he was, it, maybe in the game you have to get to a certain point. So this is the story he's going to tell to get to that point. But um, I'm not, it just, it, it it's it's like when um, Jerry Conway didn't know what to do with Gwen Stacy. So I'm a killer. And, and, you know, just take her off the board and not worry about it. I'm not sure why there's a, um, some people's move is to turn Superman evil. It's and and listen, there's there's a. I don't want to say it's valid. There is a reason why. He does what he does in this, and and I, I don't. This has been out for a minute, so I'll. It, it's um. Yeah, it's it's from 2013 for God's sake. So you have um. <laughs> there you go. There's there's uh. Superman in this universe. Uh, Superman and Lois, she's pregnant. Um, you know, so so five years ago, Clark wakes up because he hears two heartbeats coming from Lois, um, and he's all excited. And the first thing he does is he goes and tells Bruce. And actually, he's just he shows up grinning like an idiot, and he's just like, you know, he's like, hey, I have news, and and he's like, Lois is pregnant, and he's like, well, how did you? Batman's like, you're sweating, your pupils are dilated, your left hand is shaking, you don't usually show outward signs of stress or fear. Um, and the last time I saw you this way, this afraid you were facing doomsday. So um, the fact that you're going to like an idiot is kind of just, you know, it's not the world's greatest detective for nothing. So Lois and Jimmy are on assignment and they're at this warehouse. And when um, right before Jimmy takes a photo of, of whatever shenanigans are going on at this warehouse, a, uh, a pistol is presented right in front of the camera lens shoots the camera kills jimmy and it's joker and harley quinn and they abduct lois they take her um and at star labs they were experimenting on kryptonite so the um joker is uh joker and harley kidnap lois lane operate on her and when Superman shows up to save her, all of a sudden, um, gas appears, green gas. And uh turns out that Joker took some of uh, Scarecrow's fear toxin and mixed it with the kryptonite. And now Superman thinks he sees Doomsday. And he's fighting Doomsday. And he takes Doomsday up into space to kill Doomsday. 
only to find out that his mom was playing tricks on him, and it was Lois. Uh, so he kills Lois. Exactly. Uh, so, if he killed Lois, that's fucked up. So, so yeah, so... so and when... Uh, I don't because, think that happens in the game, for the record. Well, okay. I mean, maybe I'm saying, it, like, the game is just a... I don't know if you've ever played, but the game is just... My kids play. It, it, it's just basically a mash-em-up, like, almost like a... like, like a, a Mortal Kombat, t- right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I guess since the game's so popular, it's like, let's... let's but, so, when Lois's heart stops beating, a nuke will go off and destroy Metropolis. And, you know, Joker explains why he picked Metropolis over Gotham, and uh, it's it's when... The um, when the nuke goes off, Superman and Lois. Superman, you know, brings Lois back down to Earth. They're at Ground Zero, um, and he uh, he takes off after Joker. The Justice League try to stop him. Green Lantern tries to stop him, but Superman just takes Hal's ring. <laughs> and and actually, no, I don't even know if it's it might. I'm not sure if this is Hal. It might be Kyle. Um, and and he takes the uh, takes the ring. Um, he rescues him before he he goes splat. But um, he uh, and then he fries the ring. He just completely. Um, it just surprises me. I you know, the surprised he vision could could actually do that to one of the most powerful weapons in, in the universe. But um, when uh, Superman shows up, and he sticks his. Uh, hand right through Joker's chest. And so now Joker's dead and, and this is all it, t- you know, so, so Superman's trying to justify, you know, this one person I did what you, I did what Batman could never, never did. Um, condemned one person to save however many more. Um, you already know how many people he's killed. And this is the start of Superman basically ruling the uh the world and diana's all for it she's like listen this is perfect she's like you know do you you've been uh you've been coddling them too long uh it, it, she is she's just all about the war um and the uh they eventually find one survivor in metropolis uh turns out it's lex and the reason he was he survived is because he had a speedster on payroll whose sole purpose was to keep Lex safe. So as soon as um, the city was in danger, before the nuke went off, the speedster zipped Lex down to the bunker. Um, and that's where he's been. And in this universe, in this story, Lex and Superman are friends. So I'm um, not quite sure what Metropolis was like before the events in this book. But so, so, so they're BFFs. And Lex knows who everybody in the Justice League is. Because they're like, how can we trust this guy? You know, listen, we know he's your friend. but And then he just rattles off their secret identities. And he's like, you know, I've known you people since you've been around. And, and uh, you know, obviously, since I, I, I've never divulged that information, you can trust me. And, and uh, but, you know, the citizens of the planet are kind of looking at you all like, as if you're gods and they're scared of you, so you really should kind of like do a press conference and, and explain what what's going on. And um, and they do all that, and they they try to stop some wars, and then Aquaman shows up, and he's like, "Listen, you know, you can do whatever you want on land." He's like, "But you can't." 
Like this is you have no you have no say in what goes on. Jurisdiction, yeah. In the city, right. So Superman and Wonder Woman kinda take offense to that and they end up scooping up Atlantis and putting it smack dab in the middle of the Sahara. And like, you know, when you <laughs> when, when you come around to it, finally come to your senses, Damn. Uh, we'll we'll bring you back home. That shit but, is hard. Know, yeah. Like they're not and and um so you know, if, if if you feel like you're Superman, if you feel if you're not a Superman fan because you know he's he, he's kind of weak or he just you know always is doing that whole turn the other cheek kind of thing, this may be more to your liking because you know this Superman kind of gives zero fucks after Lois dies. So um, they uh, they go to Arkham to basically they're they're tired of Batman just the revolving door of Arkham. So they're going to take care of things. They're, they're just like, listen, we'll don't worry about Arkham. We'll take care of all your inmates. Um, and Batman and Nightwing are like, no, that's that doesn't. That's not that's not how we do things. Damien though is all like, yo, Superman's got the right idea. It's like, so you know, if Damien's agreeing with you, then maybe you've got some issues. But you have this little kid. He's like, listen, this is this is this is the way it is. Um, and Damien ends up siding with the Justice League. And he even, like, he he snitched. He, he's, when you know, Wonder Woman and everybody was prepared for him, uh, because he basically, Damien told them, this is what to expect. You know, Batman's going to show up. And, um, and he did. And the way they're getting the inmates out of Arkham and zipping them up to the watchtower wherever they want to hide them. Cyborg is is plugged in. He's transporting them. And and Batman tells Cyborg, he's like, Don't open up any more doors. You're not you're not taking any more any more prisoners. You're done. And Cyborg's like, Alright, whatever. He tells Riddler time to go and he's before he can open up the door, Batman hits a button on his belt and basically short circuits Cyborg. And um he uh, he basically gave him a virus. And and the time st- Victor finds out later that the timestamp on that virus was the week Batman and Cyborg met. So it's not like this was a recent contingency plan. Like Batman had this in his back pocket. Oh, sure, it's we, Batman. Right. You know, just like we learned with with Brother Eye and and, and Infinite Crisis. You know, he's got he's, he's got everything in place. Um, and the uh, the 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 fight that's happening between all our heroes. And then at the end, um, Batwoman, Batwoman, Batman enlists, um, Catwoman, um, to, uh, to join his team to kind of help out there. And, um, it's, we, we end the first book with, you know, different factions it's, it's batman and his crew and it's superman and the rest of the justice league um i guess green lantern went to oa and and got another ring because he's he's flying around here uh raven brings her dad in to um squash some wars terrifying no party till it's a trigon party <laughs> and it's it's so it's i mean they it, it you know taylor really at least gets the characters and their abilities and, and, you know, like 
of all the heroes in the DC universe to like, you know, bust out to, to, to squash some beef between countries. It's like, Oh, you know, yeah, we could use just about anybody, but let's bring out Raven. Cause you know, Trigon will come from the other dimension. And it's a, so it's, it's nifty and, and uh, it's better than elongated man trying to be a badass or something, but it, it's, um, it's Batman's side has green arrow, black canary, huntress, Black Lightning, Batwoman, uh, Aquaman, Captain Adam. So I guess that's their powerhouse. Um, but that's you know, so the first book ends with just Captain Adam saying, "So what's our plan of attack?" And then you figure out what's going on from the next issue and then and, and the next volume. And the next volume I started, um, and and they captured Hawkwoman. And there's someone also on Batman's side who's invisible, um, although he he does get uh, the person does get sensed by uh, i believe wonder woman so um maybe martian manhunter we don't know but uh after batman captures hawkwoman they ask him you know well isn't isn't the justice league going to look for her like they're going to know she's missing and he's like no because as far as they're concerned she's not missing and then all of a sudden you turn the page and she shows up on the satellite she's like hey what's the 411 so Somebody is obviously impersonating her, and even Damien's like, "Yeah, no, she just she's here to plant doubt, and and you know this is all Batman's Batman's just still fucking with you." And so, when I get around to finishing the volume, we see where it goes. But it's um, it my 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 main beef is is just the the inconsistent art. Some of the pages are really nice. The Arden pages are nice. The Darren pages are nice. Um, some of it I can understand why maybe not. I'm not too familiar with some of these names. Uh, but yeah, it's just the whole, you know, Superman being bad. It's like, I, it's, I'm not really sure. It's, and yeah, if you get, if you have a Superman story to tell, you want to do something different, I, I, I guess, but it's, it's just of, of all, for me, it's one of those things where of all the heroes you're going to do a 180 on, um, now he's not a sacred cow, obviously, but it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. I, because once you do that, it's like who's going to stop him? There, there is nothing. There's nothing stopping him from. It's basically it's 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 the Zack Snyder Superman. It, it is in un, is in injustice. It's it's a this is this is the Superman. If if Kevin Costner's pocket raised him, it, it it is one of those things where um, if they pulled any other character out to to go crazy it it might be a little bit more believable it's just with, with, with superman with everything i get it you know he lost lois it's 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 intense and and it's listen true. if i ever lose beth dude i'm becoming the world's biggest supervillain. just for the record just saying well there you go there you go then i really yeah all right no i get it i know listen i i i have but we do not have the um It, 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 as corny as it sounds, it's like Superman is supposed to be the better of us. He, he is not supposed to fall prey to those not feelings, but those those wounds. He's not. He's, he's supposed to you. That's because he's Superman. We're, we're we're people. We're we're yes. We would succumb to that. We would want to seek out that revenge. We would want everybody else to feel our pain and lash out. He's he's supposed to be beyond that. Well, he could be supposedly beyond it, but like you can, but that's like you don't know how someone is until they're put 
Like you're right. You're absolutely right. Like you, you can you can get uh, what do you call it? Um, you can suffer loss. He suffered loss in his life before, but you know, losing the love of your life, like your 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 spirit partner, man. Like I don't know, dude. Yeah. No. Like, no. Right. Yeah. By the way, uh, unconnected to this, but but we were watching uh, we were watching Superman and Lois, and uh, and Beth was like, I never thought about this, but like, how does Superman like make a living? I'm like, well, you know, he's a reporter. She's like, I know, but he's like out of work now. I'm like, yeah, he's like they're broke right now. She's <laughs> like, but like, shouldn't he be like paid an insane amount of money by the governments who could like have him on call at all times? I'm like, yeah, you know, the comics never really get into that. Like, I presume, like, I always thought of it like, well, Superman's too straight-laced to, like, demand money, but he's also, like, he could go to the Arctic and find, like, a diamond and then, like, you know, like, and then, like, yeah. sell it off. Like, yeah. like I just assume that guys like him, like, they just, they, they use their powers not, like, in a obtrusive way or, like, a criminal way, but they can still use their powers to basically be as rich as they need to be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Unrelated to all this, but I just you made me think of it when. No, that is. I mean, they, th- those are, you know, for because we just we go with the flow. We just, you know, they don't. If if it's not explained, well, because like Batman, page, all, like, it's such a big thing with Batman because he is human that like he's a, like a, a massive billionaire, right? Like like the, and that's like that's the premise. He has as much money as anyone would ever need to do anything. Yeah, but like a lot of these heroes are just like chilling, saving the world all the time. It's like, bro, gotta eat, gotta have a house. Got to be able to bring them hoes somewhere, right? Like, what do you like? Where you, what you, you know, where are you getting that money from? That's true. Vince, where's the money coming from? Ah, no idea. It's there. Is it though? Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Clark would be like, he would come up on loot though. Mad loot. No, uh, he wouldn't steal. No, but he would do the diamond thing. How would he not? Why wouldn't he? Just pan for gold. He like, that's probably... the same, but I'd love for I'd like I'd love Philip Kennedy Johnson before he's off his run of Superman to do an ish, an episode where Clark needs to take a moment to get get stacks. Go again, diamond. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that should be on the cover too. Fat stacks. Clark gets he's stacks. to find like some some Egyptian treasure in this in the, in the <sighs> desert. You know. He he's on his little reporting thing in a museum, and he's just kind of like, "Oh, this is coming home with me," you know. And then he sells no, it. No, 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 no. Like finding like the lo- like a lost tomb that no one knows. Then he like he comes up on a little loot. Okay. Wow. Good talk, Vince. No, it's silly. Ah, it's just silly. It's not. Dude should be. It's like my theory. It's like my thing about um, like army rangers or special forces or like you know. SEAL teams, those guys do superhuman acts for in the name of the country, right? Like, they do things that humans shouldn't be capable of doing, and they do them regularly. Yep. In my world, they should be set for life, right? Like, if you're going to devote 20 years of your life to being, like, a superhero for your country, when you retire, you should be set. I'm not saying, like, you know, you know the, the government doesn't have to make them, you know, Bill Gates, but, like, they should be super well off for the rest of their life as payment for being able to do things that no one else can do. Just like an athlete gets paid millions of dollars because no one else can do what they do. Makes sense. And I think the same with like superheroes. Like if you have these powers and the commitment to risk everything every day to save the world, like there should be some thing in place to make sure you're stacked up. 
Right. So if you want to, on your one day off, a couple every couple months, you want to roll in a Maybach with your with your lady, you should be able to roll in a Maybach. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but Clark always lived very humbly, right? If it, the the only time he had anything of of real value was the whole Triangle era when he lived in the penthouse, not the penthouse, but the the Metropolis apartment with Lois, mm-hmm. right? Other than that, look where he came from: farmhouse. He he doesn't live beyond his means. He doesn't mm-hmm. wear super expensive suits or the bling. It's Clark, right? He, that's the whole linchpin of Superman was that he was Salt raised by Salter the Earth, and the, still got to pay for the electric bill. Still got to got to get some groceries. Well, Lois works, right? He works, and the at, right after the the Flashpoint when we went into the Lois and, and Clark living in the the little little. Uh, Fixer upper by themselves with Jonathan, like that's they didn't live extravagantly. It was a small town, you know. They don't need it. He doesn't need it. If if I think that's why I like the Morris and All Star Superman. Like he's like he's a god. He's like I'm super rich because of course I am because I'm brilliant and I can make myself super rich with like relative ease. He doesn't have to pay rent. Take the family. Go to the the fortress. You'll make it back he's, in time for work. You don't need all. He's this. also a novelist. He's got his royalties. Lois has written books. Ah um, man, novelists don't make dick. Okay, I want to hear some more of this conceptual thing you got going on. Who you? You said you had a, a, a theme. I, I, I've given you two already. That was my that was my pair. My oh. pair of oh of, oh, it's right. pair. I thought, it was, I thought it was a three. It's usually a. So okay. all right, so 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 speaking of something that completely zigged when I thought it was going to zag, um, this is so not up Vince's alley again. Uh, still, but this is uh, it's from Magnetic. It was supposed to come out earlier last year, um, and then it was COVID, so it uh, it was resolicited in the fall, I think. Um, but it is called the Adoption. Oh, I got my copy sitting over. I can see it. Uh, here. Okay. No, you, you didn't speak read it on it. It's totally fine. Yeah. It is. It it's it's a beautiful book. It's stunning. Uh, it is. Uh, it's written by uh, Zadro and it is illustrated by Arno Mon. It's translated from the French. Um, Bro. Say again. My man Zadro. Yes. We're talking him up a lot the last, last couple of months. The um, and 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 the story is basically. I mean. I kind of thought the solicit it explained it all, but um, there is a uh, there's a little girl named uh, Kenaya. Uh, that's how I'm going to say it. Uh, Q I N A Y A, and she's from Peru, and Peru suffered an earthquake, so she, we are told, lost her parents. She has no family, so she is brought to. France. She um, she's adopted by a couple, and we don't see her new mom and dad too often because she's spending a lot of time with grandma and grandpa. And at first, Gabriel, the grandfather, he he's like, listen, he's like, you know, I raised my kids. He didn't really. He was a butcher. He was never really home all that much. But he's like, you know, I'm way too old. To have another kid. I'm not, you know, to, to look after a kid. But she wears it down. And she's adorable. And the art, I mean, listen, Monin can draw some 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 figures that are absolutely stunning. I mean, the, the little girl with, with the big 
chubby cheeks and the the grown men with the, the bulbous. I mean, it, it it very much feels like a Disney illustrated story, um, but everyone is unique. Everyone is um, everyone has their own personality, even in their faces. The conversations that people have um, feel real. Gabriel has his three friends. Has his two friends. All with the all three, their, their their names begin with G, so they're the GGs. Um, they they do their uh, their workout routine in the park, and then they go to uh, to the cafe to uh, anything that they just got rid of. They put back on, and the little girl is just you know she's where we we're reading kind of more about Gabriel than uh, Kinaya, but she she's uh, spending time at home with, with, with new mom and dad. And she spends some time uh, with, with grandma and grandpa because the parents are working. Um, but it's really sweet. And, and then, uh, maybe not quite halfway. No. Yeah. Maybe about halfway. Um, shit all goes to hell. It, it, it completely goes. And I was expecting a story where it's like this, this curmudgeon gets his heart softened by this little girl, and um, you know we're just and we 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 may see her get a little older. There may be some emotional conflict. Maybe someone gets ill. I just I wasn't I was kind of preparing myself for different different things based on the characters we're introduced to early on, but um, things are not what they seem, and then the story kind of goes in a different direction. And it was still, it was still for me riveting. I still couldn't put, I mean, I, I read, I started it. I read a couple of pages. I'm like, okay, I, I think I know where this is going. I'm going to come back. So I put it down. I took care of some things, did some errands and came back. And then I just, I, I, I read it straight through. I didn't, I, I didn't move off the couch until I finished it. I, like a man possessed, I read through this thing. It is, it's, it was once once it kind of went in that different direction. Uh, it's um, it it. I'm not gonna say the tone changed, but it um, it held my attention a lot more because at first I thought it was just gonna be you know a sweet little story, um, but once once they decided to go and and continue the story, it it's it just it um. I said it it went where I wasn't expecting and it's it's a um it is it is extremely sweet I just I'm not gonna imply whether or not there, there, there's a happy ending it it's uh I I know I know there was a um I I, I ended up when when I received it I noticed from DCBS it was still on my the original solicit was still on my own shift items list so we i had to email them about that but uh i know i know at least one other person on the slack was waiting for it when it was originally solicited um and then when it came i um i believe he's checking on amazon or something but no this was this this continues the theme of me thinking it was going to be one thing and and it went somewhere else this was um it's it listen it's magnetic you know you know what the presentation is going to be like. Um, 
but I, I was just, I was, again, I was just blown away by the art. Pretty much everything I read this week, um, with the exception of the collection, looked great. It, it just, it. Everybody is kind of just masters of their craft. I, I'm really happy with uh, with this. This nice, uh, this spot varnish on the front and back cover, with the um, with Gabriel and Kenyani, and then Gabriel on the back crossing the street. Um, it's uh, it's you know. He was he wasn't real keen on on this little girl showing up because listen you know they're her new parents are always working they're not going to have time for her and and he really didn't think he was going to have time for her either but um but she was worn down and you know the the, the there's you know, since it's a French book they don't they don't worry about um putting things in Gabriel comes out of the tub and you know he's 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 all natural and you know it's there's nothing, uh, you know, and, and he's getting a little frisky with grandma. It's, it's sweet. It feels real. It just, it, it really was a, uh, it was, it was a touching story. Looks fantastic. I, um, the, the people were introduced to later on. Um, you definitely feel for them. Uh, it, it, it's a story about loss and, uh, but it's done so well in the way it's presented. It's, um, it's it's subtle like you you really should be feeling something more you 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 should be feeling a lot sadder than 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 you are because the art just kind of puts you at ease you're, you're you're comfortable it's not the 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 art's a little bit more innocent than than the story so you're not um not bawling your eyes out at, at in in certain parts, but um, they uh, they really do take take you for a ride. It, it's fantastic. I, I really want to know what you think about it when you read it, Jason. But I I thought it was great. No, it's great to hear how excited you are by. I mean, I you know, magnetic dude. They can do no wrong. They're, they're seriously. It's impeccable, man. Like whoever's in charge of their curation has just got incredible taste. Absolutely. You got Vince. I got to thank you. Oh, oh, yep. This uh, what I'm going to talk about is tied to a thank you, an incredibly generous thank you from someone who really sh- doesn't need to be, but they are anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. our, our man Hassan sent me not one but two Omnibu. Um, what? Yeah, yeah. This kid, this guy is ridiculous. I feel like we just shouted him out last month about what a great person I know. Is. Um, well, not- before you go into what you're going to go into, let me because you reminded me. I forgot. I need to shout him out too because he sent me the Inkle dude. Which one? The original, the hardcover. Nice. Well, it came out in single issues, but I what? yeah, you get the hardcover. no. I mean the the when when they started, you know they. Sweet. The, fir- the, the first volume that they started all these beautiful reprints that I and I, I never got. So that's not well, then, easy to get. No, he had two. He had two, and he was like, "I know you years ago. You talked about how you couldn't find it, and do you, did you ever find it?" And I said, "I never did." And he's like, "I'm I'm mailing it to you." I'm like, "Dude," and he goes, "No, nah, least I could do." Then, then <laughs> all right. So then I'll 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 jump on this train because a couple months ago we were talking about on the booze and. I think it was the same month that uh, the Who's Who was solicited. And there was a Marvel on the bus that Vince swore 
I was going to get. No brainer. You're absolutely going to get this omnibus. And I didn't. And I went through the whole thing about, you know, how, what of a chore it is to, to, to sit down and read some omnibus. But um, I didn't get it. But a couple weeks later, I get a message from Austin. And, and he's like, you know, did you ever get this? I said no. And then a short while later, Amazing Spider-Man by Roger Stern shows up. Dude is a patron saint of EOC. He seriously is. It's ridiculous. It really should name a holiday after him. But I I think what I'll do is I'll just set my oldest, my first. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna pair my firstborn with his firstborn. (laughs) Oh, nice. Sorry. What? Nice arrangement. I know. Kidding. Hey now. But I mean, not only. Not only did uh, he give me two omnibuses, but uh, pretty much one of the most important Marvel series to me, Master of Kung Fu. Hot damn. Yeah, one and two. Uh, Back in the day, I remember, like, okay, everybody knows I'm the horror mark, love it, Um, Man-Thing, yeah, the the Marvel magazines were were my bread and butter growing up. And I just love the horror genre, but I also kept a really keen eye on Shang-Chi. I didn't get into it until until it made it into its own book. I I didn't buy 15 and 16. I started with 17. the the master of kung fu proper right uh but uh and i don't have a complete run of it i have the early stuff but i don't have like uh, from you know scattered issues in the 50s and the 60s and towards the end i kind of like what yeah okay whatever uh i don't know why that's what happens but i remember um when deadly hands the first issue deadly hands of kung fu came out I went to the newsstand, which was two miles away from our, our, our house. I walked to the newsstand every day after school for a week and a half, knowing that Deadly Hands, this, this magazine was coming out. So, yeah, Shang-Chi is important to me, right? And uh, I didn't get maybe halfway through this um, omnibus, and I'm thinking, Jim Starlin has to be making some as Jason would say, fat stacks from Marvel, right? Creates Thanos, the driving force of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Creates Shang-Chi. Like everybody forget, everybody thinks it's, it's Munch and um, Gulesi when, when you talk Shang-Chi, but it's not. It's Starlin and Engelhart. They were the ones yeah. who created them. And I'm thinking, you got the Shang-Chi movie coming up, Right. Starlin must, he must love the fact that all this stuff that he made decades and decades ago, he's now making at least a thank you money, which is in in the Marvel Cinematic thank you money. That's got to be significant, right? They got to be setting him up. At least as a, you know, a way of not having to lay claim to ownership of these characters. Like, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. Here's a couple mil for for creating Shang-Chi. I could see it, right? But uh, Starlin didn't last long on it. He he did it for maybe two, three issues, and then then it segged over to uh, a small group of artists. And then okay, Paul Galassi got the title. It's like bam, locked in. But um, I know he's old and crazy. 
<laughs> but the uh, mark of Steranko is constant in this book. Like, um, not only on Gulesi, which it's blatantly obvious that Gulesi loves Star- or, uh, Steranko, but you look at Starlin's old work, the, the, the touch of Steranko is everywhere in this book. And, you know, say what you will about him today. I, whatever he likes to talk about online or his personal beliefs, I don't give a shit. Starlin's work is, this book would not exist without Starlin. Or, um, damn it, I did it again. Steranko. Steranko. Jim is a, he's a wackadoodle, right? But his work is impeccable and there's so little of it that he, it's, it's like concentrated star matter, right? There's a little bit of it and it's so, uh, of the moment, but bam, it exploded and you get 125 issues of Master of Kung Fu set in his, uh, footsteps. Like it's, um, but uh, yeah, I I love the Shang Chi character. I love the fact that he started off as a murderer. <laughs> he he killed for daddy. Uh, he's not squeaky clean. Uh, he thought his father was to be all in the end all, and his dad was was trying to. Uh, and his dad, of course, is Fu Manchu. The sole reason that this stuff has been held up as long as it had to uh, for reprint because you know the the estate of Sax Romer. They want their peace. And I guess they eventually got it because we got four omnibus of Master of Kung Fu. I never thought I'd see the day. Never. But um, so Shang-Chi thinks Daddy Fu Manchu is, is, is all right. He's just trying to help the world and, and uh, uh, create order where there's chaos and, and save people and, and be altruistic. And, and it's not the case at all because he kills this old man who's almost on his deathbed to begin with but shang chi just goes in so he kills a helpless old man and he's confronted by sir dennis nalen smith character who we see a lot of in this series and he sets him straight he's like your father's an asshole your father's evil like he is pretty much the epitome of evil this man that you just killed your father said that he would take hands off like he wouldn't there would be no reprisals he would let him live out his life and then your father sends you telling you that the man is evil when he's not he was a saint now you killed him this is your father dude and shang chi's just loses it like his whole world crumbles so he sets on a course of disrupting daddy's stuff i'm gonna fuck up your drug operations i'm gonna break up your your uh trying to taint the gas supply with this mind-altering drug that uh, you, you want the population under your control. And that's basically the entire series of Master of Kung Fu. Shang-Chi trying to get out of, under from under Daddy's shadow. And it's awesome. There's, there's an ensemble cast, of course, and it does click into high gear when, when Munch grabs it. Um, but I think it's all amazing. Uh, and this issue, or this omnibus, also has the it has all four giant size, and it has the uh, Amazing Spider-Man giant size with Shang Chi. So you get Spidey teaming up with Shang Chi, Ross Andrew on art. Like stop, just just uh, you you had my heart from the get go, and now you're just trying to you know you're you're hugging me too much now. So I don't know. I think it's a phenomenal book. Um, 
I'm just going to make my way through both of them. I have uh, volume three on the way because, you know, I need them all. But there's a fourth volume out there that I got to scoop up. And uh, this is one of the most important series Marvel ever, ever published to me. Man Thing's in it. He shows up. Shang-Chi's he's, he's out of his head. He, he inhaled some of Daddy's um, mimosa drug. And he, he finds his way into the, the bayou. And Man Thing's there. Shang-Chi jumps. He's trying to attack him. And he gets stuck in the Man Thing's chest. Stop. These are the, some of the best comics ever. So I do. I have to thank uh, Hassan for um, for giving these to me. It, it was an incredibly uh, awesome gesture, and, and I just loved the dude. I loved him before he did this, but you know, you got to you got to show the love. It's true. Yeah. Super high panel count to this series too. Like Gulasi did not know brevity. No. Not not under Galacy. Some panels, some pages have like twenty panels. What? What? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Have you? You. It, it, it's really incredible how little he drew. Steranko. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, but the, no, I the, mean, I'm saying like for how for how, like you said, putting aside that he's a nutter these days, crazy but, as a fruitcake. But yeah. like, but the how? I mean, he really had a pretty hot run in the late '60s. And that's carried him for 50-plus years of celebrity. He drew Cap. I'm only talking interiors here. He drew Cap 110, 111, and 113. So that's three issues. Obviously, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. But he only did... Um, he only did uh, three of the seven issues of that. He, did the, he only did one, two, three, or four. He did one, two, three, and five. Four, six, seven. He did the covers, so he couldn't even do all the interiors of that. So that's what that's three, seven, right. that's seven. He did a issue of Our Love Story, eight. Strange Tales. He did a long run on, so eight, nine, ten, eleven. He did uh, tw- so that's twenty-seven, twenty-eight issues. Tower of Shadows, twenty-nine. X Men, fifty, fifty-one. So that's thirty-one, and then that's it. That's, that's right. It. But I mean, his influence. While the Marvel stuff was extremely potent, Jim had been doing paperback covers. Um, his media scene magazine, uh, newspaper slash magazine, he was omnipresent in that. His artwork was everywhere. He did the two volumes of um, the two history of comics volumes. Like Jim, he, his footprint is oh, not. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not, that's not. Don't 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 mistake my mistake my point. I'm not no. saying he isn't. He's influential, but like you said, you just hit on it. The, the majority of his work as an artist, and I think as, as someone who would, who is someone with pattern, is, is more for cover work, both yeah. comics and Yo, books. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was yeah. just going to say, his footprint is not giant at all. And the the Marvel He's footprint, the, yeah, the Marvel yeah. footprint is baby sized. Yeah. But I mean, it, in, it, in terms it, of an illustrator, he he was right well known. Is he like the fir- well? No, I guess that's. Not. I was going to say, is he like the first guy that was kind of made his living for being a cover artist? But that's not fair because like Frazetta did that. So I guess that's yeah. Was Frazetta like the first massively successful person who specialized in covers? Hmm. It's an interesting and very uh, worthwhile uh, topic to investigate. 
right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's he's up there, right? But there, I mean, I mean now we take it for granted. Like you got your your, you know, your Adam Hughes's and your your J. Scott Campbell's, who that's all they do these days is covers, right? Like that's how they make their living and make very nice livings doing it. But like, and then I was thinking like, oh, Starenko was he was one of the OGs of that, but but honestly, Frazetta came before him, so. Yeah, food for thought. Yeah, uh, remember, the pulps existed before the comics, so uh, there were guys that you know drew, illustrated the shadow, and um, Doc Savage that were doing it constantly and at length. So I I wouldn't think that Frazetta was the first guy that just made his money doing covers, but um, I would think he is by far the most well known. Yeah, but I mean, we should investigate this. Mm-hmm. I'm on it. Nice. One of the dark web. <laughs> it's www.darkweb. It's ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, um, should we should we back into the spot? I never back into the spot, but I'm being facetious. Should should we bring it on home? We got hey, anything keep else? It, keep us in tight, right? If you want. All right, all right. Okay, everybody. Hey, once again, thank you so much for listening to this. If you would like to get your comics, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a teensy-weensy fraction of what everybody else is paying, you go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, dcbservice.com, where you can get Invincible Red Sonia, number one, for $1.99. Uh, Marjorie Finnegan, Temporal Criminal Number One from AWA Upshot for the same price, and the Cold the Destroyer Original Marvel Years Omnibus uh, for a lousy sixty-two dollars mm. and fifty cents. In your travels, I would uh, direct you to read from Vault Comics. This is a series called Hollow Heart, of which the it's the first issue. And uh, it focuses on a dude named L. L's got it pretty rough because, well, he he's not quite human anymore. Um, he was at one time, but his uh, fleshy bits are contained in a mech suit. And L seems to be the property of a uh, black ops program because uh, L keeps trying to escape the compound and he's brought down and hooked back up to his little, you know, machines. And, and uh, in this first issue, they, they send a, um, a, tech, uh, a technician in. After um, L tries to escape for the, the most recent time, he's damaged a little bit, and they sell by a person who intentionally damaged him anyway. Um, so pr- imagine being trapped in a mech suit, uh, being in constant pain, uh, 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 hooked up to these things in a room. Like you have no life, you have no interaction with people. Uh, from what we assume in the first issue, uh, you're in you're in pain all the time. Like he just wants to leave, but there's a a thing set up at this uh, installation called the tether. Like if you if you leave, you effectively die. So he's trying to commit suicide. This L person. 
so he's damaged. They send a technician in. This guy's named Mateo. And um, Mateo has uh, gobs of sympathy and compassion and uh, does things to L that may enable L to um, not have to exist in the compound for much longer. But here's the rub. This thing is billed as a queer monster love story. Mateo's gay. Okay? And after he um, encounters L for the first time, he's, he's kind of, he's feeling a bit off and uh, his emotions are, are wrapped up in everything he experienced with this entity who's in pain and struggling and alone. And, and so he wants to blow off some steam and he, he calls, um, he gets a prostitute. And the prostitute is, is male. And I'm like, ah, oh, I, I don't think I've ever seen this in a comic, at least not the ones that I normally read. Where Mateo's like, yeah, I'm going to get me a piece of ass. And it's a dude. And and they get the freak on for, for two pages. I was like, all right, that's cool. I like this. I, I, I want more of this because it's, it's real world, right? Why shouldn't gay people have sex? Why not? I thought, bravo for uh, Vault for presenting... An unflinching, unabashed sex scene between two people of the same sex. Shouldn't be uh, surprising. Shouldn't be scary. Shouldn't be verboten. It is. It exists. And here it is in this book. Um, it's from Vault. This is the first issue. It was written by Paul Allure. And it was drawn by Paul Tucker. I'm not going to lavish too much praise on Paul Tucker because... Um, while he got the job done, I think there's some room for growth in the visuals. Um, I won't say they're bad, but they they could uh, the, his style could be more fleshed out and refined and more to his uh, personal uh, visual voice. Like there's not really a, an established voice here. It's it's okay. It 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 fleshes out the story, but it's not. Um, this is not uh, a full-blown, um, or uh, you know, compelling artistic voice like James Heron. I'm just saying this. This guy is, he he needs a, a teeny tiny bit of work, but it didn't hamper me from enjoying the story, as uh, you can tell. I hope so. It can't be that bad, right? Hollow Heart Number One. I thought it was great. That's awesome. Good unfold. Uh, in your travels, this, 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 I'm a tra oh, this might go a little long. Um, this concludes my theme of things starting one way and ending in a way that I was not expecting. Uh, this is the book that came out before What If We Were. This is Camp Spirit by Excel Noir and Again, it's weird. Now, this is earlier than what if we were, but um, I really, really, really like the art in um, in Camp Spirit. There's, it doesn't look 
like Riley Rossmo, but the bones, the the some of the way the figures are drawn, the outlines are kind of there. She doesn't go into the detail that Riley does. Same thing with like um, the artist on shoe, uh, Rob uh, Guillory, uh, right? Um, it, it the the characters kind of resemble that form of um, that style of of, of character, and um, but she's not aping either artist. They're she's still doing her own thing. But especially with the uh, the camp chief, I I, I kind of see Riley there. Uh, I may be looking for it, but it's just 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 the way she draws the figures. But Camp Spirit is about is about Elodie, who uh, is, her mom is basically forcing her to be a camp counselor during the summer um, in Canada. I, I think Ontario, maybe Quebec. Uh, but uh, so she's in. She's you know has to be a camp counselor for six weeks, uh, right around the beginning of July into August. She doesn't want to. She, she, she's not a, uh, she's kind of a city girl. She really doesn't care about the outdoor life. There are unisex bathrooms with like no doors and, and she's, uh, she may not be a prude, but that's definitely not something she's used to. So for the first couple of days, she's, holding it in and and she refuses to uh to use the restroom until finally uh one of the other counselors Catherine um Loomis perfect notices that uh you know <laughs> she she's she's been paying attention and so so she's basically she's playing she's playing lookout she's she, she's guarding the door while uh Elodie takes care of business but um we are the the, the characters that we are introduced to uh, aside from Elodie, aside from Catherine, uh, the camp chief, um, there is uh, Magali, who, who kind of is, uh, she she thinks her shit don't stink. She thinks she's better than everybody else. She has a lot of attitude. There's um, there's uh, Bernier, who is kind of, um, now this is set in the 90s. This is right after, um, right after Kurt Cobain died. Because at the beginning, when uh, the chief is doing his little welcome campers spiel um you know she's uh he, he says that uh you know it's 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 oh yeah we're so sad it's a shame to hear about kurt so it's it's it's, it's 95 96 um and elodie loves um metal music and she loans her uh, headphones over to her walkman to to Catherine, who um like oh yeah i love pearl jam they're the best she's like yeah you were just listening to mega death so she's she, she's trying but um elodie's the kids that she has to watch are a bunch of redhead girls that they've been coming for a few years now a few summers nobody ever gets through to them uh but elodie did and um the, the joke around the camp is that you know she must have magical powers and like nobody else can get through to these kids um when it comes to when I was talking about movement before and when I started that that thread on the slack, XL is kind of who um Axel is who I had in mind because you'll whereas, you know, unlike Ultra Mega, where, you know, speed lines and, and force perspective and the blurs make you see what you're seeing, when when Axel's drawing like the girls walking down the path 
on 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 the campgrounds. It's like you 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 know you could tell that these people are moving. These 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 drawings feel like they have a life, and it's 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 amazing. I, I really am super. Um, it's it's not quite a crush. I'm not saying you know we're in somni territory, but this is it. This is a case where like anything she draws, I'm all about. I cannot wait for Secret Passages, which is uh, which is right now. She's releasing it um, on her Patreon, and it's going to be a book probably from Top Shelf. Uh, I think later this year, like around the fall. But this is uh, Camp Spirit is colored by um, uh, an, another artist uh, who goes by the name who goes by Cab, but her name is Catherine. Uh, she does a uh, comic, a web comic called U Town, which is fantastic, but. Um, the colors here really work with um, with the line work, but I I thought you know I just figured we were going to read this story about this teenager doesn't want to be a camp counselor, puts up with everybody's nonsense just to get through the summer. Um, she ends up she and Catherine end up getting close. Catherine is. Uh, Catherine kind of makes the first move, but but things do escalate in, in, in the positive for, for all involved. Um, and it is, I, I, there were moments where I laughed out loud. I had, uh, I, I had the book. I ended it. I got to a page and I, I, I had my wife read it and, and she was amused, but it, it's, it, it just, it feels like, you know, I had similar conversations that the characters in this book have had. Um, when I was younger, it, it just, it really, really feels, um, real. And I just, the way, the way she shows all of the the, the different kids and all the different camp groups, the, uh, the, the other counselors, the chief, I mean, the, the, the chief is crazy. He's got a scar that, um, I, I, it's nothing really to mention. It's just weird because, He's always, at first I thought maybe, you know, he was, he had an operation, maybe not a lobotomy, but I was just like, you know, there's something a little off about the chief because Doom Sunday is the camp theme song. And, um, there's a, uh, when it, when it went into a different direction that I was not expecting, it, it was presented in a way where I wasn't, I'm not gonna say I wasn't upset. It was, it, it was just that's not what I thought I was getting into. I thought it was going to be more or less straightforward and, 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 and it could have been, and what it turns out to go somewhere else. Um, I was still all in and, and, uh, and we get, we get to the end of the story. Um, the end of the summer, it's extremely, um, well done the way, the way over the six weeks we we've seen some characters grow. Um, I was all about it. If, if, um, if you have a chance, if you find it, if you, uh, or, or, you know, if you're, if you feel like if you see it online, if you see it anywhere, I absolutely recommend camp spirit. It is, um, it's, it's 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 one of those things where this is kind of like why I, I I read comic books. I enjoy stories like this. It's not superhero-y. It's nothing um, 
outrageous. It, no science fiction, nothing. It's just it's it's more or less um, just characters that that actually you would find in the real world. Um, extremely well done. I think uh, I, I I I love Excel's humor. She uh, I definitely love the art. But yeah, in your travels, by all means, without a doubt, get Camp Spirit. All right, respect it. I can respect it. Uh, I'm going to go the other way, go pretty quick on my inner travels. I have, uh, it's because it's a pretty simple story, so don't need to go deep. In your travels, do check out, especially if you're a lapsed Spider-Man fan like my two boos here, Nonstop Spider-Man number one. Uh, written yeah. by Joe Kelly. Nice to see him back doing a Marvel book with pencils by Chris Bocello with his longtime inking partner, Tim Townsend and uh, colors by Marcio Meniz with Travis Lanham on letters. Uh, Marvel hyped the fuck out of this book, promising it was going to be basically a gigantic action sequence book. And that's exactly what it is. And uh, no better suited for that than Bocello. Um, this takes place, as far as I can tell, uh, I didn't do too much digging on this, so people can correct me if I'm wrong. But this is this is like a like not an Elseworlds per se, but it's it's like Kelly's not jumping into the current status quo um, that uh, Spencer's been doing. It this this takes place when Pete was a student at Empire State University, um, and it's a pretty simple story by design. It's it's he's. There's a new drug tearing up Manhattan and fucking up people, including some of Pete's friends. He's trying to get to the ne'er-do-wells who are making the drug. Uh, and the ne'er-do-wells, because they're making the drug, have lots of resource, including a cadre of tech-laden uh, heavies to protect them. And uh, it's basically an issue of Spidey getting his ass kicked and beating the ass of these tech heavies trying to get to the big bad that's making the drugs. Um, this, I love Joe Kelly. I think he's a great writer. Uh, he's clearly the guy I think that totally gets humor in superhero stories. He's the best writer of Deadpool full stop. Um, I thought this was great, but I don't think the writing had much to do with it. I think it was that Pacello went absolutely bananas for 22 pages. Um, I don't know how long he can keep this up. I don't know how long he plans to keep this up. I assume that because it's Pacello, he won't be on the book for all that long. Although, I guess he did a good solid year's worth of Doctor Strange when he was doing that. So, maybe we can get more than I'm thinking. But either way, while he's drawing it, at least, we'll have to see who replaces him. This is a must-read, especially if, as I said, you are a lapsed Spider-Man fan. And you just want to see Spidey doing Spidey things in a beautifully drawn way. So, you two need to get get on top of this, too. When you have yeah, I, I started it. I need to get back to it. I started only because it was it was late and then other things came up, but yeah, it, it's and I knew it's the first couple of pages are super dense and 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 I love that, so I want to spend time with it. There you go, Spider Man. Can you hear me? Yes, cool. of course. Well, don't say that because sometimes the the, uh, the pause button doesn't bring me back to the real world. Uh, or the mute button. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for being here with us one more time. Wait. What? what? Oh. Don't you want to know what the book of the month is? Oh, and we have a shout out. And we have a shout out. Do the okay. shout out. 
the shout out is uh, newest member of the uh, Slack level of Patreon, our longtime friend and sometimes uh, guest uh, in the fourth chair, Mr. Mario Muscar. What? Uh, so, of the choices that we had available to us, they uh, they 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 did some um, they did some okadokes and they they surprised well they surprised me. Things I guess got moved around, and uh, the winner, the book we will be reading uh, soon. Uh, the oh yeah, I guess next week uh, is. Star Wars Legacy Volume 1 Broken. Collecting Star Wars Legacy 1 through 3, 5, and 6 of the uh, old Dark Horse run. Good choice, people. Love you, Andrew Sima. So that's great. I mean, yeah. All the issues. We, we there thought, you go. We thought it was going to be a shoe-in with the Brubaker Phillips, but no. Nah. Not. Thanks for proving us wrong. All right, there you go. Thank you for listening. If you want more of this, go to Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, uh, Facebook. All that stuff has EOC. All of this. Yep, people. And and then when you're done with that, you can check out the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Do it. All of that. And in the meantime, say goodnight. All right. Mm. David. Mm. Good night. David. There you go. We'll be back, people. Maybe sooner than you think. I don't know. Let's see. You never know. You never do. Sometimes it happens. Never gonna know until you know. That's it for that one.